0: is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is Fox Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30 for August 1992. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How you doing, sir? I can't complain. that You know, the heat wave is breaking, uh, getting <laughs> close to
1: the end of summer, which is kind of crazy already, but I have a funny story to share with you. Yes. So, as you guys know, the last time we recorded uh, for our review episode, we recorded in person. We went to Pete's house, and while we were there... Pete ordered out one day from, from a place called Jersey Mike's, which is like a sub or hero shop or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you are. So apparently you cr- like sparked something in my wife that she's obsessed with Jersey <laughs> Mike's now. She's like, well, it, it
0: happened to us too. And again, now I can't remember if ordering with you was the first time we've ordered from there. I think it might've been.
1: It, it was. They're like,
0: their swift, like pickup. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, now we've been obsessed too. So we've (laughs) ordered from them, I think two times since then, um, which is arguably too many in like the (laughs) month it's been since you were here. Um, but yeah, it's really good. Um, it's funny. We've found a number of places. So like, you know, Manhattan has all sorts of eateries and we've had amazing food when we were living there. But now that we've switched to a different location, There seems to be like variations on some of the stuff that we would have gotten. I know this is like, wow, off the tracks, but it's worth pointing out. (laughs) So the other one that's like this for me now is we used to be big Chipotle people. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I just as soon never go to a Chipotle again because I've discovered Qdoba. And Qdoba (laughs) is, like, maybe the best thing ever. Like, because, like, all of their stuff, first of all, the one thing where they're, like, all right, taking shots at Chipotle is they're, like, we always include guacamole for free. Why would you skimp out on the best part and charge extra for that? So I'm, like, whoa, shots fired, but – Um, there's that, but then all these queso stuff they put on it, they've got like impossible meat. If you want to put that on your burrito and things like that is ridiculously good. So I don't think I'm going back to Chipotle anytime soon. And (laughs) I don't know that you could even compare something like a subway, or I don't know what you even would even compare to Jersey Mike's. It's like, it's like a complete step above while still being like a chain place. Mm -hmm. Because we used to go, you know, South Philly, we used to go to the different places down there. We used to go, um, uh, Down by Atlantic City They have like White House sub shop and things mm-hmm. like that I oh, think Jersey place. Mike's is Maybe as good Because I keep getting the, <laughs> the oh. Philly cheesesteaks from them I think they might be as good as some of the ones in that area And given they started in that area So you know maybe that's why but it, um, just
1: to point out, if you, if you ever go to Atlantic City, you need to go to White House Sub Shop. That place. I, think I took it, you there, right? <laughs> you, you took me there the first time, and it was yeah. dynamite. It's dynamite, yeah, and that's
0: a, worth like just going in person because it's like super kitschy, old school. Yeah. Has like a billion photos on the wall of all the. But that's gonna be on our holidays. other podcast of like yeah, our, our foodie po- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, honest to goodness, like, uh, did you see the bear on? I think Hulu. It's on. Uh, I've heard about it. I haven't watched it. Yet. All right, you need to watch it. Like that's my next like thing. Like where Dory and you and everybody that's listening to the show needs to drop what you're doing and go watch The Bear. It, it ends way too quickly. I think it's only like ten episodes or something like that. One of the best new shows I've seen in a while. It's produced by FX, but I think exclusively for Hulu. Yeah. Um. So I I would check that out. And then the kids have been obsessed with MasterChef Junior. And this show is, like, awesome, but it makes me so sad because, like, these, like, nine-year-olds are producing better food than me, my wife, or anybody I know will ever be able to cook or make in their entire (laughs) lifetime at frickin' nine years old. So, like, I don't know. I've I've entered this kind of, like, food-watching area (laughs) of my life as of late, coincidentally, so not good. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's a good uh, transition to our new and new to you.
1: Okay, so I've got a lot. Believe it or not, because I've been, <laughs> you know, on the train a lot more. Um, speaking of television shows, I've watched. I've been watching Station Eleven on HBO Max, and I really, really
0: like that. I don't know if I know what that is. What's a quick summary? What's that about?
1: Uh, it's starring Mackenzie Davis. Basically, it takes place because a global pandemic hits, killing <laughs> yeah. most of the population, and it's sort of flashes backwards and forward between the start of the pandemic and about 20 years later. And it's the same character as a kid and adult. And it's very interesting. It's based on a book, which I think obviously if, if it's a show based on a book, Pete will always prefer the book. That's just the way he is. (laughs) But, um, it's an interesting show. It's 10 episodes. It was a, it was a limited series and I'm enjoying it. I'm eight episodes in.
0: Nice. Well, I guess on the TV front, let me catch up on a few things that, that side of the tracks then. Um, To pick up where we had previously left off somewhere, I finally got through the rest of Stranger Things. Oh, good. Yeah, and I like offline of this podcast, Mike had said to me, like I sort of said, you know, I watched the first episode and it was kind of slow and boring. And I was like, let me go back and try again. Like I watched the second episode and I was like, all right. And he's like, just stick with it, all right? And so third episode, like it's like the gloves come off and it's like, oh, all right, we're back into proper Stranger Things at this point. Um, and what a great season. Yeah, it really went on to, uh, to be awesome, but just to mention a few other shows. Um, and again, some of these are new and some of them were just new to me because some of them have been out for a minute, um, uh, but are, are worth mentioning. Um, I don't recall mentioning it on this show, but I had started a while back Arcane, which is like a League of Legends animated show that Netflix did. Okay. Now, I'm not a League of Legends person. I'm a gamer in general, but I've not really played League of Legends. But the show was awesome, particularly from like an animated anything point of view. Um, just really, really unique stuff that they're doing there. So worth checking out Arcane. If, if, Even if you have no clue what League of Legends is, still tells a good story. Uh, the Boys was oh, the boys amazing was this a- season. Amazing. <laughs> um, the Umbrella Academy was brilliant this season. Um, I'm just getting started on the new season of What We Do in the Shadows, which is an incredible show. Another one well worth watching. I mentioned The Bear. Definitely check that out. Orville's new season has been awesome. Oh, like, really? If you're somebody who used to watch Star Trek TNG back in the day and you're like missing your fix of that sort of a feel of thing, The Orville is such a funny show because it started off with that in mind, but like way more silly and comedy. And at some point it's really become like a new Star Trek with some jokes here and there. Um, So it's actually like really well worth watching. They've put a lot of um, cool stuff into this new season. So that's been a lot of fun. Better Call Saul. I mentioned it before, but again, this, this final season is just blowing my mind. Um, Crazy. Of events here and there, so uh, check that out. Miss Marvel, have you seen Miss Marvel?
1: I watched Miss Marvel, yes,
0: I liked it so. All I I I need to do is watch the final episode of Miss Marvel. I'm five through, I'm back and forth on this show. I'll have an episode where I'm like, ah, this is awesome, and then I'll have one where I'm like, what is going on in this story? (laughs) So I kind of keep going back and forth. So I'm hoping to like finish out, um, I had a few episodes
1: that were were, like hard to keep me awake, but like, yeah.
0: I want to um, see where it ends. Uh, and then the last thing I have to mention, because it was incredible, was Man versus B. Did you see? No. Even just like in passing, like Man versus B. No. Do you know what this is? No. <laughs> do you know Mr. Bean? Yeah. Of Rowan course. Atkinson? He came out with a show out of the clear blue sky. I don't know what prompted this to happen. And honestly... I don't know why they call it a show because really it should just be a two hour, even if it's, I don't even think it would make two hours. It's like 10 episodes of like 11 minute episodes. Um, And it's about that. He has to, um, he's, he's gotten a job as like a caretaker for houses um, for people that like are going away and want somebody to watch their house. And it's his first time doing that. He's like separated from his wife. He's trying to patch, up some of the stuff with that and his daughter and everything should be fine for him. He's at this like gorgeous, stunning, you know, super rich person's house and a bee comes in and ridiculousness ensues. He's just trying to like get this bee. The bee is bothering him he's wrecking like million dollar paintings and cars and it's just him being ridiculous Mr. Bean <laughs> sort of thing. And the kids loved it. So first of all, if you've got kids, it's, it's, it's like, it's actually like kid appropriate, um, satire. Um, but I, I wish they would just stick it into like a nonstop, like hour and a half format. Cause it doesn't need to be these 10 minute Mm-hmm. Or these like 11 minute, 10 episode things, especially since they dropped it all at the same time. So I don't know what that's about, but I digress. Man versus B. Okay. <laughs> Check it out.
1: So I've got a, a bunch of movies, but I'm also going to end off with a, one more TV show uh, that I've been a big fan of from the get go is Westworld. And this season of Westworld is fantastic. It harkens a lot back to the intensity of the first season. It's very interesting. You don't see what's coming except for maybe one or two things. Um, Really cool, fantastic sci-fi. The acting is impeccable. Uh, Everybody in that show is dynamite.
0: It's funny. I really fell off the Westworld bandwagon in, I think, season two. Yeah. And I really need to get back to it. I think part of the problem for me is that Ange was like, nah i think i'm done with this show <laughs> and so like when that happens it takes away some of like the prompt to be like let's keep watching and going through this and her and i chug through some of these things together so like at some point i just gotta throw it back into my to watch list and, and get back into it because i i thought it, the first season was pretty cool but it slowed down a little bit in the second and i think i just have to get over that hump
1: yeah the second and third are a little bit a hump worthy to get over, and then the this fourth season is fantastic. But because of that, I I have always wanted to watch the original Michael Crichton movie, um starring Yule Brenner, and I really like it. And essentially, it's the same premise, but ultimately, the show takes it so much oh, further. Yeah.
0: and one hundred percent. Yeah, no, I mean, like the original couldn't do justice to the, the high content they're that trying that is. to do. Yeah, it's just. Budget and technology, you know, technology limitations—the whole nine yards.
1: Yeah. So, so now I'm going to go to my movies list here. So, first thing I saw, we watched Lightyear on Disney Plus.
0: Excellent. Yes.
1: For those I who don't know, like it.
0: and it's already have dropped by the time we're recording, it'll be out by the time this podcast out. It's available on Disney Plus now. I think it came out on the fourth or something like that. So check yeah. that out. I
1: really, really enjoyed it. The whole family, all of us, watched it together. I was not bothered by Tim Allen not voicing Buzz Lightyear.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I know that was like a controversy for a minute, but I don't don't really get it. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. I I guess it's because there's like a little bit of like a discrepancy that like in, I guess, the kids' puppet show, Woody and Jesse sound somewhat like themselves, you know, from those characters. I, I think the toy buzz is like almost like a takeoff of like being like a sillier version, I guess where you can have Tim Allen. I don't think I would have been worried if I had Tim Allen, but the reality of it is, I think the reason that they went with Chris Evans is pff, he's Captain America people. Right. <laughs> like he's a young marketable star. And like, yeah. I think they probably decided they just needed somebody like that to, to sell it as well, you know? And you can also um, see that like, if Tim Allen was delivering some of those lines,
1: they may have come off more jovial and yeah. and goofy as opposed to when he's trying to make it a little bit more serious. I movies. think it. I
0: think it's the feel of this movie is why they couldn't go with Tim Allen. And again, not to take anything away from Tim Allen, I, like I know there was some like talk that this had to do with conservative versus liberal. I don't think it has anything to do with that for me. I think for me, it's just as you said, he he's got that bombastic, you know, like kind of thing to him, and I just don't think it would the tone what they the were movie. trying to do this character. So yeah. I, I think that's why they went the other way. But yes.
1: <laughs> so my next movie that I have, I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but this was the first movie that I've taken grace to see the two of us alone. We went and saw Super Pets.
0: So I have not. Um, and it's only because I'm running behind much to Zoe's chagrin uh, on getting her to the movies. So we were going to go see, Minions: The Rise of Gru a couple weeks back, which she was like really itchy to see for some reason, which is kind of funny because I really like the Despicable Me movies, Mm -hmm. but I've always felt like the kids are like fine to lukewarm on them. Um, Funny enough, both kids have been really into the concept of the Minions and like some like this like like there's been a lot of like Minions Y M C A being played on my Mm -hmm. (laughs) echoes around the house lately. I don't know how they got into that. The little one wants nothing to do with seeing the movies, though, is the weird part. Like, she just does not want to watch them. Um, So we finally, actually, as my first pick of a movie for the month, went and finally saw that the other day on the 7th. Um, And it was good. It was fine. Um, I don't think any of the movies have been quite as good as the original Despicable Me. They've all kind of been, like, fine after that. But they're all completely watchable. Um, But... She was asking about Super Pets, and I'm like, well, you were asking – I was like, what do you want to do, Super Pets or Rise of Gru? And she actually opted to see Rise of Gru out of the two, so that's what we did that. So maybe this weekend or next weekend we'll go see Super Pets, but it is isn't our to-do list. So I really like Super Pets.
1: Grace really liked it too. We both had a lot of fun. It's very funny. Uh, Kevin Hart is hilarious in it. All the the voice actors are great. The one thing that I realized is DC slash Warner Brothers dropped the ball – hugely on this movie first in marketing be in promotion and also
0: toys
1: there's not a toy for this movie there's not a
0: pajama shirt nothing if there isn't there will be i'm sure <laughs>
1: i was shocked like grace was like oh i want i want a ace dog and i'm like well, there isn't any so
0: yeah. I, was, I was pretty shocked by that i mean on that note let's take a minute and and talk a little like current Hollywood stuff. And then we'll get back to the, to the last of the uh, new and new to you. WB is a train wreck. (laughs) So we got news in the past week and change here that um, they were outright canceling the Batgirl film, which is completely done. (laughs) I mean, like maybe outside of some graphics and editing or whatever, but it was done. It was being shown to test audiences and they pulled the plug on it. And this has happened throughout Hollywood history, probably a lot more than you would even realize. But this is probably one of the highest budget versions of something like this that's ever come around that's then been yanked at the last minute. And I tried to do a little bit of reading and understanding of why this is going on. And I'm not going to claim to be any kind of expert because I don't think the full truth has come out yet. One version of the story is that they started putting this in front of test audiences and the test audiences were just saying it was abysmal that I think the word I kept seeing was irredeemably bad. Hmm. Um, So again, like maybe not surprised coming off of like the Snyderverse and, and some of the way that that was going towards the end. Um, You know, that said like the more recent the Batman movie was really good. It sounds like, there's two other things happening here. The the second is that it sounded like there was some sort of accounting loophole that WB would be able to make, where they were essentially like, "All right, th- if this movie's not going to do well in the theater, we actually have a way to like make back a lot of what we've lost by putting the money into this already." So it sounds like they just took a cash grab parachute and, and yeah. dove out. Um, the third thing is it sounds like WB is going yet again through another restructuring with Discovery where hopefully the outcome is going to be positive. It sounds like the interim stuff, like I know there's a new Aquaman, I think, still coming up and a new Flash, I think, still coming up despite like Ezra Miller and yeah. his train wreck. Yeah, I don't know. Neighbor. I don't know how that movie's still coming. Out. Yeah. I, and that's like I know Kevin Smith got himself in a little trouble recently being like, how are you? canceling Batgirl, but leaving, you know, the Flash still coming out. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Very bizarre with this sort of restructuring it sounds like they're doing. On the positive side, it sounds like the direction they want to take WB is fresh, clean slate, 10-year plan like Marvel. Right. And basically start doing phases like Marvel. I hope that doesn't mean that we're getting all new um origin stories again because like i'm kind of done with the superman origin story i'm kind of done with the wonder woman origin story kind of done with the green lantern origin story etc batman for sure how many more times can we see those pearls drop you know right um so i hope they just kind of dive into it with maybe something like a year one take like the batman you know like something early on and then just go from there i think that would be a fun way to approach it new people you know, I, I think the Gal Gadot and everybody has been fine, Jason Momoa, et cetera, but clean slate, like start afresh, all right? <laughs> like new, let's throw the old out and just, just try and take a new shot at this. And hopefully they'll be able to get their act together because the DC animated stuff is consistently incredible, but their live action has just not hit the mark. And I feel like I don't know a decade more like easily it's like I feel like they you know they have like miniature hits with like Wonder Woman or things like that but then they can't keep the momentum going
1: I would say the last real hit was the Dark Knight because even the Dark Knight Rises is very polarizing and
0: and I find it mostly bad yeah they just get themselves like dragged down too much in the muck with their stuff I, I, I don't know that they need to take as light attack as the Marvel movies have gone You know, over time, but they just got to dig themselves out of the mire because it's just uh, it's just a slog. Some of these, so hopefully, well wishes for new things coming forward and rest in peace, Batgirl. Although I'm wondering if if some soul or another will either hack in and leak it, or somebody on the inside will leak it, or this is all giant publicity stunt, and (laughs) you know we'll get like. The director's cut, like, you know, straight to streaming, who knows, whatever. But I'm really curious to see it now because, you know, again, maybe this would have ruined the legacy of Batman 89 with Keaton being in it or whatever. Maybe that's what they were afraid of. But I feel like you can't have like a full finished movie like that that never sees the light of day. It's got to come out at some point. And they
1: said that the audience reviews for the test screen got the same score as Black Adam, where I read. And yet they're hanging on to that. The Rock is a bank, more bankable name, I guess. I
0: guess, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So I have a
1: couple more. This one's not necessarily a n- new movie or new to me, but I kind of rewatched it for the first time in a long time. Do you ever see um, Sidney Pontier? So new,
0: new to you and first time in a long time. It's going to be way too many words to say that every month. <laughs> I,
1: I, I rewatched um, In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Pontier.
0: <laughs> So I don't know if I've ever seen – I don't know if I've seen that movie. Was there a TV show yes. by the same – I think I'd seen some of the TV show years ago. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever saw the movie. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a good movie. It's way ahead of its time for a 60s movie talking about you know race and and politics and all kinds of stuff. It was very,
0: very interesting. So maybe I got to throw that on my new to me list.
1: It's, it, it's a cool movie. Yeah. Um,
0: The next one I have is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. (laughs) So I got (laughs) to ask a question because I remember several years ago, a movie coming out called The Hitman's Bodyguard. Is this a sequel to that? This is a direct sequel. Yes. All right. Because I wasn't sure if it was that or like a parody because there's also there's (laughs) also that movie that came out recently. That's called like the woman looking through Oh, the that. train's window across the street from the yeah. house. It's just like a parody of yeah. like some of those sort of things. So I wasn't sure if this was like oh, no, no. This a parody a, on it or something. a direct
1: sequel with, with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson and Salma Hayek. And, um, Did you see the first? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the first one because it's so goofy. This one's even more goofy and it's really, really funny. I It's, it's very mindless action with a lot of cursing and – and I've never seen Selma Hayek so vulgar in my entire life <laughs> watching movies with her. Um so that it was a really funny movie. I liked it. it. People might hate it, but I like Ryan Reynolds a lot and Samuel L. Jackson and him were so funny together.
0: I might have to go back and give those a shot at some point. Uh, now, not that I was like deliberately avoiding them. It's just one of these things that I just never got around to. Now the last one I have is a movie that I've been dying to see for a while. Um
1: and I didn't even know what I was Going into until I actually saw it, is an Edgar Wright movie called Last Night in Soho, with, oh, my, yeah. with Anya Taylor Joy, and I didn't know what this movie was going to be about. I had no idea. I thought it was taking place in Soho, New York. No, it's Soho, London. Um, and I get into this movie, and it's really way ahead of its like way over the top, like wild. I was my mind was blown. But I didn't realize going into it, this was Edgar Wright's take on a Hitchcock film. Interesting. It has all the elements of a Hitchcock movie. Um, it's bananas and it's so good. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is really good at it. Uh, visually, it's stunning. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very dark and I don't want to spoil anything about it because I think the movie is so good and so interesting Um Yeah, I mean I quite
0: like Edgar Wright's stuff and I'm sad that he couldn't kind of continue on with Marvel um, because his stuff is kind of out there and funky and it sort of like fits – my brain in a weird way. So I have not seen that one yet. It is like, again, perpetually, I'm not like looking like good on a movie podcast here today where I'm just like, that sounds great, but I haven't seen it. That sounds great, but I haven't seen it. Well, this is another one that sounds great, but I have not seen it. Yeah, It's a good so movie. It's wild. I gotta, I gotta
1: watch that. <laughs> Th- that's all the movies that I have.
0: All right. Well, let me finish out our new and new to you with a movie that I feel is well worth watching. Maybe not for you. Cause I know that you're a little like, Eek, about movies like this, but I, I could not leave this podcast without mentioning Prey. Um, so Prey came out of nowhere for me. I had no idea that this was being produced. I don't know how I missed the news on this, but it's, for those who are uninitiated, the newest in the Predator movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's neat for me is... I've always been a Predator fan since way back to the point that I very often in the Alien vs. Predator thing, am definitely on the Predator side. I like Alien, I like Aliens, but I've always liked the concept of the Predators and what they're doing better. And first movie, great, good, a classic. This is an unpopular opinion. I really love Predator 2. I like that too.
1: That's great. Danny Glover makes that movie great. I
0: think it's maybe the lowest rated of the batch though. I could be wrong about that, but I think a lot of people are kind of like really meh about that movie. Um, That was probably, again, and I've talked about this before, uh, again, my intro to the Predator movies. Um, So I kind of have a special place for it in my heart. And at the very end of Predator 2, as a reminder, or for those who haven't seen it, Danny Glover defeats the Predator. But unlike in the first one with Arnold, where it sets off like a nuke and like, you know, blows the whole area up, this one isn't able to do that. And so like Danny Glover's like alive. And you're like, oh, my God, he made it. And then in like one of the coolest moments, especially from like a little like kid watching his first Predator movie's point of view, all these Predators uncloak around him. And you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, he's he's dead. Oh, well, no, that's not good. But instead they're like, we respect you for having defeated one of us. And they give him this pistol from 1715 on it. And Prey takes place in 1718. And you see where this pistol comes from. And it's like, wow. oh, awesome payoff years and years and years later. <laughs> so um, the best way I can describe Prey, um, it, I mean, the story is about like this um, youngish Comanche girl who's trying to prove herself as a hunter and a warrior in her tribe. Um, And as they do, one of the predators drops in on, on earth or wherever and does one of their um, hunts. What's cool about this movie though is, and again, like the predators I've always thought are neat for their technology and like sort of how they do their thing. They're calling this predator, the feral predator. And what's cool about him is unlike some of the ones in the past that kind of like, use like sort of like fisticuffs you know like hand-to-hand battle as a last resort this one is fighting everything hand-to-hand so there's just all these scenes where it's like he spots like a wolf and like the wolf is chasing a rabbit and like as soon as the wolf catches the rabbit the predator shows up and hand-to-hand fights the wolf and then he hand-to-hand fights a bear and it's like It's ridiculous, but it's awesome. (laughs) And it's just cool. They do a lot of really cool stuff with it. And like, unlike where predators usually dismantling all the people from further away, it's like a lot of like, you know, hand to hand close up combat. So it makes for a lot of ridiculously cool fight scenes Hmm. throughout this movie. As far as I'm concerned, this might be the best Predator movie ever. A, lot, um, of not A lot of people are saying that. Yeah, not alone in that, in that feeling. So uh, well worth checking out. This is another one that's over on Hulu. Hulu is killing it at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where they're getting all these uh, exclusive rights to these things. but uh, So I, I read something very interesting yesterday
1: about Hulu, funny enough. Yeah. S- starting this fall, any NBC shows like Saturday Night Live or any of their regular television are not going to be available next day to stream on Hulu anymore. They're going right to Peacock. So like (sighs) if if you miss SNL when it airs live and you don't
0: have Peacock, you can't watch it on Hulu the next day. All right. Well, don't tell Xfinity, but (laughs) a year and plus ago when we were living at our townhouse, we got a free trial of Peacock as part of their package. And I moved, I canceled that service but my Peacock's still going. <laughs> so I'll watch the stuff on Peacock, I guess, But because uh, we watched the whole Olympics on it and everything. But uh, it's not supposed to be, because like, I've not been an Xfinity customer in like a year and a half. So <laughs>
1: whatever. Well, it's funny. We, we, we got rid of Optimum
0: uh, in
1: like 2016 or so. And I had... Uh, news 12 for a good three years after that
0: <laughs> yeah i'm really curious when they're going to figure it out and i haven't checked it like at all recently so maybe after this podcast i'll go check and see if it's still working or not but uh at least through the whole olympics it was just ready to go and, and i like i was about to sign up for it like Angie and i were talking about it we're like oh why don't we sign up for peacock for the month so we can watch all the olympic stuff i was like all right and i go to like sign in and it's like your account is in good standing. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, so whatever, I'll take it. You know, a uh, banker's error in your favor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All let yeah. right, right. Let's, uh, let's take a look back 30 years ago and see what's going on in our Box Office 30 segment. Okay. Welcome to August, 1992. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat. It's kind of a funky list this month, folks, but stick with us. 44 movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, 44 on the overall list. Our our cut down list is like half that or a little less. Um, Still plenty of like previous month's movies going strong. There's not a, I mean, there's some stuff in here that is going to be like totally recognizable films and everything, but there's a lot of junk. So (laughs) we'll, we'll get through it. Um, but more on that in a minute, our top film for August is Unforgiven with an August gross of $55.6 million in the number two spot is Death Becomes Her with 43.2 million had a little bit more time to run in August. And in the number three spot is Single White Female with 28 million in earnings. Last month's featured film, A League of Their Own, moves down to the number four spot. So that tells you still how that's doing with 25.2 million in August. Um, thanks as usual to everyone who voted in our listener poll. Thanks for Retro Network for sharing it. We had a little quieter voting month this month. We only had 40 total votes. So maybe everybody was off at the beach. Um, (laughs) but, uh, what's cool is that we had another clear winner this month and we had a tie for second place, which I think has maybe happened only one other time if it has happened at all. So in third place, sadly, but still with 15% of the vote was three ninjas. (laughs) I I love that three ninjas. Sorry, guys. I (laughs) I guess we're not doing it today. I wonder when Surf Ninjas comes along. That's another really good one. I might have to see if uh, Adam ever did a uh, – I know he's a big fan of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm Surf sure, Ninjas.
1: I'm sure he did. Uh, uh, yeah, if not, quest. it might be
0: worth digging out and doing a sequel quest on on that one. Um, Death Becomes Her and Buffy the Vampire have tied – Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I should say uh, – tied at 17.5%. Uh, which is cool. And then at fifty percent of the vote, unforgiven. Maybe not surprising. So I honestly think that people just did that. that They they (laughs) wanted to torture me. Yeah, well, again, I I know you said it was like eight hours, two hour, eleven minute running time, so we'll survive this. It's not the worst. Yep.
1: (laughs) I, I watched this movie maybe about five years ago again, and I was like, this feels like it's nine hours long.
0: Yeah, this is one where Again, I'm foggy on it. I don't remember I don't if I've seen it and if I have, it was a long time ago. so so I'm actually looking forward to this because I know this is considered to be like among Clint Eastwood's best westerns and among one of the best westerns in like the last thirty years yeah. so i'm I'm good to go on this one so I, I know you've got the notes I, I'm sorry, but
1: <laughs> yeah I, I and I I will tell you, even though I watched it only a couple of years ago. I am very foggy on what it's about or what happens in it. I, you know, I'm, it's almost like I'm watching it clean. Cause I don't yeah.
0: remember. All right. Well, that's good. We'll go into it uh, a little bit clean and our recall segment should be relatively short. <laughs> so looking at our list this month, obviously, like I said, Unforgiven's number one, looking down the list to number three, single white female. I know nothing about this movie outside of its title. What I will say that I know and pops into my mind whenever I hear this movie is single female lawyer. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? No. All right. Well, that's for you Futurama fans out there because I've always been a big, big Futurama fan over Family Guy, over American Dad, over The Simpsons. Futurama's my jam. And uh, Lur of Omicron Percy I-9 is a huge fan of single female lawyer and <laughs> the crew has to uh, finish out the final episode of that. So I might go back and uh, rewatch that in, in lieu of single white female <laughs> not making it to our list this month. But that's all <laughs> I got for you all on that front. Okay. So number five, we'll talk about it here because it sounds like we won't be talking about it elsewhere, is Three Ninjas. I loved the shit out of this movie yeah, <laughs> as a, a kid. Movie. And yeah. I think there was a sequel, Three Ninjas Kick Back. That's right. Um, yes, there was. Yeah. yeah again, like, I love these movies. I don't know what it was, but at this some point... The, this was with the painted masks, right? They had, like, these yes. things, Yeah, from their yes. grandfather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're all meant to be quasi-representative of, like, the, the names they get. Like, I think one of them is Rocky... One of them is Colt and one of them is Tum Tum, I think in in that order. Um, Wow, that's that's a a better recall than I could have I'm telling you, I love this movie. (laughs) Um, And uh, again, like, you know, taking off of like the late 80s, very early into the 90s, sort of like obsession with ninjas, you know, starting Mm -hmm. with things like Karate Kid and, you know, moving into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles And then it's kind of just like the gloves come off from there. There's so many ninja movies during this era and particularly a bunch that start getting, you know, aimed towards kids like the aforementioned um, surf ninjas. Right. Um, And there's plenty more. Um, My brother and I would put this on VHS on loop. We both loved this. We both were like. Like my brother's like, I'm Tum Tum and you're Rocky. And it's just like, all right, you know, like, and like, we were like totally into it. We'd be like doing like, you know, like Kung Fu kicks and stuff in our living room while we're watching this. We were very into this. Um, I mean, I could just keep espouting how much I loved it. Did you ever see this? Were you? Oh, yeah. I I loved
1: this movie as a kid. Yeah, definitely was a big fan. Um, So it's a great movie. It's probably still holds up as a fun movie for.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it holds up to anything, but I'd be willing to go back and see if it does. <laughs> is what I'm saying here. <laughs> what, what I find
1: funny though is we go from from three ninjas and then we go to number seven is raising Cain, <laughs> which yeah. is a John Lithgow like split personality movie. That's about all I know about it. <laughs> but what I find odd is. The next August movie isn't until the number 13 spot, which is called Whispers in the Dark. And I recognize the name and I recognize the poster, but that's all I got.
0: I got nothing on this one. I got
1: nothing on this one. I recognize the poster and I don't know anything about it at all.
0: I mean, I'll read you the, the log line see oh, what you think. Eve tells her shrink Anne about kinky sex with a man. <laughs> and learns it's the same man she's been seeing lately. Eve finds out and explodes. A murder follows. <laughs> what's what's kind of creepy too, and like you're mentioning, you you know this poster. I don't know this poster, but it looks like the gimp. Like it's like <laughs> it's got like an eye cut out and like a mouth cut out, and it's kind of like I guess it's meant to be shadow, but it looks kind of like Disturbing. like a creepy gimp mask or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah, past that, I got nothing on this one. Um, so the
1: next one we have on number fourteen is Stay Tuned. Do you know this
0: movie at all? I don't, but I kind of wish I did. This this one says... A husband and wife are sucked into a hellish television set and have to survive a gauntlet of twisted versions of shows they find themselves in. I've seen this, isn't have it? you? Yes, <laughs> this is a
1: John Ritter movie. I've seen this. It's a horrible movie. It's. Horrible. I'm sure
0: it is. Yeah. I mean, it it looks ridiculous. Um. So I don't I know. I'm kind of movie. there for it.
1: <laughs> I do remember it though. Now stay tuned because it was on. HBO. I like that the poster
0: line says. <laughs> I can't quite read. It says the the. Kimbles? Knables? What is the name of their, their family? Knable? The Knables signed up for a cable system that's out of this world. <laughs> yeah. And they've got another one, a comedy adventure on the wrong side of the screen. That's They've got two lines on that poster. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they couldn't decide which one they liked better. Wow. Oh, boy. So what do you have next? Number 15 is a movie called Rapid Fire and... Again, I don't know. <laughs> in 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 pure, oh, wait, movie, this you, was the I think this is the first Brandon Lee movie. Yeah, I mean, it says Brandon Lee on the poster, but I don't know. It doesn't ring, ring any bells for me from him. Yeah,
1: I I remember this movie.
0: I remember this movie.
1: Seeing this, this was his first movie, really.
0: Oh well. Number 19 is well worth uh, mentioning. And again, I think the only reason it's at 19 is this is an August 28th release of Honeymoon in Vegas.
1: Oh, this is a great movie.
0: (laughs) Uh, Again, yeah, uh, great movie, kind of an all-time classic, um, super worth watching Um, Nicholas Cage being Nicholas Cage, (laughs) you know, um, we started trying to watch the other day, the unbearable, uh, weight of massive talent. And, um, for some reason, uh, we were having some kind of like interwebs problems and we weren't able to keep it going. So I still need to go back and finish that. So that'll likely be in my new and new to you next month. But, um, yeah, again, uh, great film, James Collins, Sarah Jessica Parker, among many others. Um, this is one of those movies that like, even though it's not the same
1: context, not the same, not even the same actors, this movie, I remember seeing it as a kid, reminded me a lot of Joe versus the Volcano.
0: Yeah, I can see that, you know,
1: and, like, especially like the the way it just kind of played itself out and the, the. Elvis skydiving Elvises the, the flying Elvises they called it. <laughs> so yeah. was going on with the airplane. That that cracks me up. Um so where are we at? Okay, so next we have Christopher Columbus the Discovery. <laughs> Is this that Gerard
0: Depardieu movie? Maybe. Um what I would say oh, Marlon about this, Brando. Uh, yeah, it's actually got some decent people in it. Uh, Tom Selleck, um it's got Benicio del Toro. Um, a story by Mario Puzo, not one of his betters though. Um, this is uh, this is me quoting what it, what is being written here. An American historical adventure film. Um, this is sitting at seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I I did not see this movie. I it sounds like I'm glad I did not see this movie. So I got nothing else on this one. <laughs> I want to take the next one. You the got ne- it. The next one is a movie called
1: Digstown at 22. I can't believe it's this far down. It's, it's a mid month release. This is a uh, James Woods, Lewis Gossett Jr. movie where they kind of con an entire town. Um, and it's like a Lewis Gossett Jr. is like some sort of like a boxer and he has to come into the town and he's like beating up all the best fighters in this particular town. It's some sort of <laughs> boxing town and they bring some sort of ringer in who's like a like not actually from the town, but he's like in the prison on the town, <laughs> something like that. He's got nice. a, it's a wild movie. <laughs> it's a really good movie. I love this movie.
0: Number twenty four on our list, again, another victim of an end of the month release on August twenty eighth is Pet Cemetery Two, which fits firmly into my nope category. Oh yeah. I, I do not watch the Pet Cemetery movies. No. I know what they're about. I've seen the trailers and that is enough for me. Thank you. Is this is
1: this the um uh this is the Eddie Furlong one, right? The the
0: Um I I can't say for sure, maybe Yeah,
1: he's on the poster, yep. Edward Furlong. Yeah. Yep yep no thank you
0: pass Uh, yeah all right so again it gets a little funky down here there's some maybe noticeable names um but i might run through some of these somewhat quickly um if you know one that you know feel free to call it out so starting at number 26 we have the gun in betty lou's handbag
1: it looks like it's a re-release though i mean look at this poster
0: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't get it. I,
0: I, um, we have Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. I know, um, this, movie. I know this movie. Yep. I've seen some of Twin Peaks, probably not enough to have good geek cred. Mm. I did not see this. Um, so, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, the next one on the list, uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Um, funny enough to me, it looks like an animated movie, maybe even... Sounds like it. An anime? This might be an anime. I know this movie from the NES game from way back in the day. Um, I, I actually kind of didn't realize this was a movie. Um, I can remember like being eight-ish years old and playing this on the NES at like friends' houses. And it was hard as hell. I remember that. <laughs> but that's all I've got for for Little Nemo, really. <laughs> um, we have at number 31, Freddy as F.R.O.7 which is a Miramax film. Let's let's read what this is about. It's a, it looks an also animated. Really animated. A French prince who is turned into a frog becomes a secret agent and goes to England to stop an evil plot that begins when fabulous or famous buildings there start disappearing. Sorry, peeps. This did not cross my uh, no. young kid viewership, uh, <laughs> even as an animated film. Definitely not. Yeah. So th- then we have at number
1: 34, A Brief History of Time yes,
0: I got nothing on this one so I have not seen this, but um if if you're a Stephen Hawking person out there, you know what this is entitled after his book um, it's basically a film about Stephen Hawking um, and the title comes from his his title of his book. Um, there's been some better movies or I shouldn't say better, but more recent movies made um, that are are pretty cool about Stephen Hawking. Um, But I have not seen this one, so I I can't really comment so much on it. So
1: the next one we have is Storyville at 35. It's a James Spader movie. I don't know this one either. I looked at the poster. I don't recognize it.
0: Yeah, no, this one does not uh, make it into my uh, list. Um, The second Miramax film on our list at number 36 is a movie called Johnny Suede. A struggling young musician and devoted fan of Ricky Nelson wants to be just like his idol and become a rock star. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a Miramax movie. Right, I'm going to, I'm going to run us down the rest now here. Cause I don't think these, I don't know what they are. Uh, light sleeper, the living end mistress, London kills me drive the ox and bed and breakfast all the way down at number 44. um, Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> we are past the mirror maxes into um stuff that I just have no clue about. So uh F- Fine Line Features is another one of those weird
1: and and there's a couple of those on here. You got uh October films, never heard of them. Yeah. Rainbow releasing. Yeah, these are really Yeah, like,
0: this is this is the dregs. Um yeah. deep Indies. the, the forty four uh bed and breakfast makes six thousand five hundred thirty six dollars. So yeah. Some people must have went to see it, but <laughs> I don't know who it was. <laughs> All right. So that's gonna wrap it up for our list for August. Thank you for sticking with us through it. I know it was a little bumpy road. Wow. Some good ones in there mixed in with a whole lot of junk. <laughs> by the by the way, this
1: bed and breakfast movie is a Roger Moore film. Interesting. Roger Moore <laughs> and Talia Shire. Yeah. I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have they didn't carry the weight of Indi- of a uh, 007, I guess.
0: Well, let's leave off for better films in our recall segment for Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Unforgiven is directed by Clint Eastwood. Now I thought maybe this was an early directing role for him, but wow, it turns out I was way off as he's been directing as early as 1971. Really? Yes. He has 45 directing credits on his IMDb. Now, given I knew that he was doing some more directing stuff in in the aughts and things like that and some more in the 90s, but blow me away that he was directing as early as 71. So he's somebody who came out the gate acting and directing. So good for him. He's most well known as the actor behind Dirty Harry and many other roles, but he has a prolific and highly successful directing career with titles such as Million Dollar Baby, Grand Torino, which is one of my all-time favorites, yeah. The Bridges of Madison County, Flags of Our Fathers, and really way too many more to list. The the Sergio Leone uh, of yeah Sergio Leone the, the spaghetti westerns
1: of The Man with No Name
0: yeah and, and again and- like that's where we get something like Unforgiven because he Sergio Leone a lot of people have imitated him but. He was literally his mentor, so um, pretty cool. Uh, This is written by David Webb Peoples, who has written such gems as Blade Runner and 12 Monkeys. Wow. But oddly has not done much of note since the mid-'90s. He has these three successes between Unforgiven, Blade Runner, and 12 Monkeys. But look at the difference in genre, though. I know, yeah. Very kind of like eclectic mix of stuff. But um, he has a pretty short list, and the rest of them are kind of like, eh. Mm. Um, (laughs) you know, like, so I don't know, he, he came out with some real winners, but he came out with a couple of dingers too. And again, he's over in his eighties now, but, um, hasn't really done anything Mm. for quite a few years. So I don't know what that's about. Um, the film stars, of course, Clint Eastwood, but also Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, James Wolvett, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's got kind of a a interesting spelling and Richard Harris, among others. As mentioned, it does 55.6 million in August with an August 7th release, goes on to make 101.2 million domestic, another 58 million internationally for a worldwide gross of 159.2 million on a 14.4 budget. That's a pretty small budget given some of the other I movies can't. we've been seeing lately and, and and kind of what this goes on to be. Um, now we don't always talk about this, but I thought I'd point out that unforgiven also won and was nominated for a number of awards, including best picture, best director for Clint Eastwood, best actor in a supporting role for Gene Hackman and best film editing for Joel Cox at the 93 Academy Awards. So not too shabby taking home four, I think out of like, I think they 15 had 15 like, or so nominations. Either 15 or 11, six in my head. Yeah, I think reading. they have nine others that are just nominated. Something like that. Um, So uh, there's no in development this week, which is good. We're taking a little break from that. But um, I found out that there, in fact, was a remake of this film. So um, I'll read to you what I wrote. A Japanese adaptation of Unforgiven directed by Lee Sang-il and starring Ken Watanabe was released in 2013. The, pilot, the plot of 20, the 2013 version is very similar to the original, but it takes place in Japan during the Meiji period, with the main character being a samurai instead of a bandit. So, kind of cool. They sort of did like a Magnificent Seven with this. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, um, or like a reverse Magnificent Seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see what we've got for this one. I know you said that it's it's kind of lost on you. I- um, The very vague recollection that I have about this, and again, I don't remember if it's from seeing or just from reading or knowing about it, is uh, that it kind of, again, in the vein of Magnificent Seven and and typical sort of Western, um, a town needs help um, to hunt down a bad guy. And Clint Eastwood, who's sort of like a grizzled, retired, I don't remember if he's an ex-sheriff or marshal or ranger or something like that, comes to help them with like, a partner and like a like a young guy and like that's about yeah, as much I, as I can remember. Unfortunately, I, I think Gene
1: Hackman's the villain in this movie. Like I, I, I think I don't. I'm so foggy. I just remember Gene Hackman stealing every scene that he's in in this movie because he was so good in it.
0: But I I really don't remember much about this movie. Like Gene Hackman's such an amazing
1: actor. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting it mixed up with other Clint Eastwood like westerns and and like quick in the dead and those kind of other uh, type of movies. But it's, I remember it's like a, a a slow burn kind of a movie, but it's very, very compelling, even though it's, I think I thought it was much longer than it is, which I'm surprised.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so something else, because I, I knew that we might be a little short on this. and, And normally this is the type of thing I'd mention in our next podcast, but I'll mention it here because I saw the title come up several times when I was, you know, getting all the notes together for this show is that this is considered what's called a revisionist Western. And so I had to look that up and it's kind of a neat thing. So essentially, um, they consider this to be like an anti-Western or mm. sort of like a, a more real and gr- realistic and gritty take on a Western than sort of like the, the idealized, guys, stereotypical, yeah. you know, Western. So I know that this one is is pretty dark. I know there's a lot of killing in it. Um, and I, I think it's kind of treated overall as being a more true to life. Western which I think really? in the time Since this we've gotten a lot more of yeah. But basically this movie seems to be Responsible for kicking off A trend in more right. of movies In that vein so it's kind of neat so um, I'm, I'm looking forward To it um, do you want to take a look At the trailer I feel like when we watch The trailer it's going to jog my memory about this movie A little bit more than yeah is. I would think So let's uh, let's pop it open and let's See we'll take a look at our preview Review Okay, I'll count us down. Three, two, one. Step over to the office and get the bull whip. A whip? That's all they get after what they've done? Get out It's looking like he's the sheriff. It was a Gene Hackman. Of honor. Oh, I love this guy's voice.
1: <laughs> In a time when lawmen were killers. Yeah.
0: But the movie voice guy.
1: You English Bob. Outlaws were heroes. Well, I thought that you
0: were dead. Hell, I even thought I was dead. Mm. Yeah, this Nebraska.
1: I think think the sheriff's the bad guy. You're the one who killed William Harvey and robbed that train over Missouri. Was as good as gold. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Calling yourself Mr. William Money. Say what? You don't look no meaner than hell, cold-blooded damn killer.
0: I ain't like that anymore, kid.
1: Thousand dollars reward will now. Oh, yeah, the shotgun. I remember that.
0: I know we don't have a lot of like uh, Talk that we're doing over this. I think you're both kind of a little mesmerized by the trailer <laughs> Yeah, you don't go I don't go Such a good cast in this Just because we're going on this killing that don't mean I'm gonna go back to being the way I was Are you really gonna kill them cowboy?
1: Like assassins or men of low character.
0: We ain't bad men no more. We're farmers. There are a lot of savages,
1: there are a bunch of bloody savages. assassins.
0: Well, I guess they have it coming. We all have it coming, Kit. Some legends will never be forgiven. Cool, sort of oh, of tar- I remember the shot,
1: yeah. Can never be
0: forgiven. The man don't want to get killed. Better clear on out the back. Unforgiven. Yeah, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, I, I, like you said, you know,
1: our, our watching of this trailer, we both were kind of quiet because it's there's a lot happening. And <laughs> it's a really well cut together trailer because it's It very, is. That's the
0: problem. Like, I feel like you and I compelling. normally can pick apart and rake goofs on some of the stuff. But like, it's actually like a really darn good trailer. So I didn't have a lot to say about yeah. it. It's very like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's dark. It's gritty. It feels r- real. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a cool looking trailer. I'm, I'm excited to rewatch it now because it looks like it's cool.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was chatting with Angie the other day and I was about to say like, oh, it's kind of fun because we haven't really done a Western on the show. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, we have. <laughs> but uh, I think this is going to be kind of <laughs> like is, a... This is a different kind of Western. A different, yes, kind of feel. <laughs> well, yeah, even the past that. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see what we get. All right, let's let's uh, let's bring this uh, show to an end here. Um, I guess do you want to do our big movie quiz? Since
1: this is an Oscar winner, I probably should do some Oscar.
0: Look ones. at this guy asking for the Oscars. <laughs> I think it's because you knocked it out of the park on them last time. <laughs> I got real lucky. I gotta re- You blew me away on that. I think that was one of the best ever. All right, um, I've got some cards here. So for those who don't know, uh, we do the big movie quiz here at the end of the show. We do six questions and see... Out of six, how many Michael can get? Sometimes he does awesome and sometimes he screws the pooch. So we'll see which version we get today. All right. With what film did Lupita Nyong'o win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2014? Oh,
1: oh, I know this. Because it was so, like, nobody expected it. It was so, like, out of left field. Um, I think it's a foreign film, too. Like, she's not even in... Mm. Oh, wait. Oh, um, 2014. Is it, um, 12 Years a Slave?
0: It is. All right. There we go. One down. All right. In what year did Chariots of Fire win the Academy Award for Best Picture? 1982. You got it. I didn't ask you these last time, did I? No, I don't think so. No. (laughs) because <laughs> I feel like I said something to you last time about it being an Im- important year for us, but maybe I was wrong. Well. All right. Which actor won a posthumous Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 2009? Oh,
1: uh, Heath Ledger.
0: Yep, that one didn't take you long at all. <laughs> Who famously declared themselves king of the world after winning the Academy Award for Best Director? Uh, uh, James Cameron? Yep, you got it. Which actor received a 12-minute standing ovation after receiving an Honorary Academy Award in 1972? Actor? Yep. I'm going to give you a hint in so much again that this is an Honorary Academy Award, so you got to think old school.
1: Uh, was he alive when he received it? Yes. Um... I think, yeah. Uh, like uh, I want to say something like like Jimmy Stewart or like uh, Cary Grant. Like Keep going. <laughs> uh, further back, further back than that, like Chaplin.
0: Chaplin, yes, really? <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. I'll give you a half point on that one. All right. Uh, with which film was Sylvester Stallone nominated for Best Actor in 1977? Wasn't it Rocky? It was Rocky. All right. So we'll give you five and a half, six half, five, right. six today. <laughs> which again is not bad. All of a sudden somehow Oscars went from your worst category to your best category. It's, 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 it's a clicking on all cylinders, I guess. Yes. Fire yes. All, so. all right. Tell the folks how they can get in touch with us.
1: So if you want to get in touch with us, honestly, the best way to reach us is through our Twitter, which is BoxOffice30. Uh, you can also get us on Facebook at BoxOffice30 as well. And if you want to see... Anything on our Instagram, it's box office T-H-I-R-T-Y. Um, you can also go to our website, boxoffice30.com, and check out some back episodes. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts on iTunes and Podbean and whatever other podcasting platform. Um, you can find us through the Retro Network as well. And we want to thank uh, uh, Mickey and Jason for all their support and, and just – giving us a platform to talk to each other for an hour and a half, twice a week or whatever <laughs>
0: about movies and, yep. and and restaurants and <laughs> food. Whatever else we got off onto. Yeah, we we, we um, got into a couple different, somehow we're still only around an hour for, for getting off on all those. So. Yeah, really? We got a wild <laughs> tangent. I, I think we just have nothing to recall about this movie. <laughs> I have no recollection of how to
1: explain it. Um, but no, honestly, we get a lot of fun stuff through Twitter, and I love hearing from people. You can also go to our T Public store and get, you know, some merch if you want to. I saw a bunch of cool things that I'm going to order for myself, and uh, you know, just have to have nerd stuff to wear around town because I like it. Um, if you have any feedback for us or thoughts, or give us a you know a five star review on iTunes, that would be awesome. We want to hear from everybody and know what they think of the show and who's out there listening
0: absolutely all right folks well that's gonna do it for us this month we will see you in another two weeks for our review of unforgiven in the meantime have a fun end of summer we'll see you then see you later bye (laughs) Good try yeah
1: yeah
0: People are going to say that that was so bad, I will be (laughs) unforgiven.
1: This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.